Well, good morning, LifePoint. It is great to see everyone today. Um, thanks for choosing to spend part of your, your Sunday with us. My name is Corey, and I serve as the teaching pastor here at our Plain City campus. If you're new to LifePoint or visiting with us today, thanks so much. Uh, I hope you feel welcome. We're glad that you're here. Would um, invite you to do just one thing. Go ahead and grab your phone, and you can open up your web browser, and you can type in lpguest.com. That's lpguest.com. Or you can scan one of the QR codes in the back of the seat in front of you. That's going to take you to uh, some helpful resources today. It'll take you to message notes for this morning where it'll have the, the scripture and some of the key points and a spot for you to take your own notes and save them for later. It will also take you to a digital guest card that takes less than 60 seconds to, to fill out. At the bottom of that digital guest card are five ministries that we're already partnered with. You can pick the one that means the most to you, and we'll make an additional $5 donation in your honor to that ministry. That way you can do something good and kind just for, for being with us today. Well, as we begin, um, we are in the fourth week of our series called Not Without Hope. And in this series, we have found ourselves in the book of 1 Thessalonians in the New Testament. And maybe you know, don't know, can remember, we've talked about it a little bit, the 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 book of 1 Thessalonians is a letter from the Apostle Paul written to the church in Thessalonica. And, and Paul actually helped this, this church start. He helped plant this, this church. But Paul only had a few weeks with this church before an angry mob drove him away and, and drove him out of town. And so um, this young church, these, these new Christians were heavy on, on Paul's heart. So he writes this letter to encourage and instruct them. And so to help us fully dive into not only the series, but the book of 1 Thessalonians, it was a few weeks ago we encouraged everyone, go ahead and read through one chapter a day. Um, and so we, we've encouraged everyone to do that. Obviously we're talking about on Sunday mornings together, if you were to open up our app we have something called the Drivecast. Um, it's where the teaching pastors kind of discuss what's, what's going on. And we've taken every day to address something in First Thessalonians there. We've also placed um, a daily devotional there. So we've been trying to get everyone to fully dive into the book of, of 1 Thessalonians. And our big idea for this whole series has been that, that Jesus is the source of our enduring hope. That Jesus is the, the source of our enduring hope. And as we, we jump into things today, um, I was thinking about how clear expectations are a good thing for us in life. Clear expectations are, are, are a good thing. They're a positive for us. Whether that's, hey, I need clear expectations on what my, my job is or my position with this company is. Or, um, you know, my, both my boys are playing basketball. It's good to have clear expectations on what your position on the basketball team is. You go here, you don't go here. Clear expectations are, are a good thing. Parenting with our kids, clear expectations are, are really good. We, we want, and let, you want good, clear expectations when you're assembling something. Unless you're a guy, we can just figure it out, right? We don't need the instructions at all. So um, you need clear expectations, right? Especially, I'm going to pick on the guys again. If you need to know how to fold the towels in your house, you need to do it the way your wife wants to do it, right? Clear expectations. They're going to go threefold this way. Like, you got to know, in our household, we, we have this deal, right? There's clear expectations of, I'll fold laundry, I'll, I'll fold towels, but there's one thing I won't fold in our household, and that is the fitted bed sheets. I can't figure those things out. It's, I just wad them up, and they're a ball. That's it. We're, we're good. So, clearly knowing what to do in our lives is, is a good thing. 
And I share that because in, in chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, Paul sets down some clear expectations for the church and for these believers, these Christians in Thessalonica. And what Paul is trying to clearly communicate with them is what a life pleasing to God looks like. And, and as he, he kind of explains these things to them, it, does, it not only does good for them, but it does good for us today. It sets some clear expectations for us today. So if you've got your Bible or your Bible app, I want to invite you to go ahead and find 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1 with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and, and verse 1. It's there Paul writes, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. Now, this word walk, anytime you see the word walk in the Bible, it refers to our life. It refers to our daily practical living. It refers to a moment by, by moment walk. And Paul makes clear to the Thessalonians here, just in this first verse, he's kind of letting them know, like, hey, now that you're a Christian, now that you're, you're a believer, your walk, your life is no longer just to please yourself, but he says here it's to please God. And he tells them, hey, you guys know how to do this. They know how to do it because Paul, Silas, and Timothy modeled what this walk looked like for them. And he says they're doing a good job. He, co he commends them for doing a good job. And then he, like a coach or a trainer, he kind of wraps up saying, hey, don't quit. Keep on doing it more and more. You can do three more. You can do two more. You can do one more. That when Paul says, hey, you ought to walk and to please God, what he's reminding them of and what he's, what he's encouraging them in is this, that God has a purpose and a plan for their lives. That God has a purpose and a plan for, for our lives. Now, I get it. That's, that's kind of a big statement, right? Let that sink in for a minute. Like, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, that God has a plan and a, a purpose for your, for your life. Now, if you're like me, sometimes that's really hard to realize. It's really hard to, like, think about that God has a plan for me, God has a purpose for me, because there's sometimes life seems purposeless, right? There's sometimes in life it seems like there is no plan. There's sometimes in life that you say, there's no way God could, could use me. There's no, there's no chance that God has a purpose for me and, and for my life. But the amazing truth, the wonderful truth for each of us is that God does have a plan and a purpose for our lives. That, we just sang it kind of in that last song, went through a bunch of different imperfect people in the Bible and how God used them and had a plan and a purpose for their lives. Whether it was Moses or Mary or, or David, right? And let me just say, when it comes to having a plan and a purpose for our lives, this is kind of a tough one, that it's more than just going to church on Sunday, it's more than just doing a Bible study. It's more than just saying you're a Christian or slapping a bumper sticker on your car. It is what Paul is talking about here. A moment-to-moment, step-by-step walk. It's a daily life thing. And part of that involves what's called sanctification. And that's exactly what Paul talks about next in verse 3. He says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Now, I admit it, sanctification is a big church word, right? You, you may or may have not heard it before, but it's nothing to be, to be scared of. What sanctification means is this. It means holy or holiness. It also means to be set apart. 
Now, we all know what it's like to set something apart, right? In the fall, we had family pictures coming up, and my wife bought, brought, or bought outfits for each one of us. And those outfits, they were set apart for family pictures. No one was allowed to touch those until family pictures happened. They were, they were set apart for that time. And we set other clothing pieces apart, whether it's for a, a wedding or a special a, occasion. Some of us have dinnerware, dinner plates, or silverware that we set apart that's specifically either for the holidays or when the family comes over or when guests come over. We set decorations apart, rather for Christmas or, or for birthdays, right? Ladies, it's your turn, right? You, you, you set apart some shoes, don't you? There's some shoes that go with this outfit, but not that outfit, and for this occasion, and not that uh, occasion, right? Here's the deal. When we set something uh, apart, we're saying something is special. We're saying something has an intended purpose. We're saying something has a specific purpose. And the same goes with God. That with God, when things are sanctified or they're set apart, they are going to be used for his purposes, set apart for his purposes. Now here's what's, what's beautiful in all of this. What Paul is saying not only to the Thessalonians but to, to us also is that in Christ, right, you are valued. That in Christ, you are important to God. That you have a specific purpose with God. That you have an intended purpose with God. That means single mom, single dad, you are valued in the sight of God. Teenager, you are important to God and he's got a plan and a purpose for you. That grandparent, young adult, widow, widower, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And so Paul opens up chapter 4 by saying, hey, believers, Christians, walk, live in a way that pleases God. And remember that, that God wants you set apart for his good purposes. And with that as his foundation, Paul begins to address some areas of life where this fleshes out. And in verses 3 through 8, Paul addresses sexual morality. Now, it was essential for Paul to address this because the Greeks had a very low standard of sexual morality. And to live a life that is pleasing to God, set apart for God, these new believers, this new church in Thessalonica, needed to live by God's standards and not the culture's standards. Now, for the sake of time today, we're not going to dive into verses 3 through 8. But they are extremely relevant, and I would encourage you to, to read them on your own, study them on your own, because they're just as applicable to our culture today. And if you're like, gosh, I really want more information on that. Why aren't you spending more time on that? Well, I'd refer you back to our series we, we did last year called Asking for a Friend. It was in that series that we addressed sexual holiness, sexual identity, sexual immorality, all in, in more detail. But what we are going to spend some time talking about for the remainder of today is, is what Paul says next. And what Paul says next is in verse 9, and he says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. What Paul is communicating here is this, is that a life pleasing and set apart to God involves showing love to one another. That a life pleasing and set apart to God involves showing love to one another. And, and the one another here, specifically this time in scripture, Paul's referring to Christians' love toward other Christians, right? <clears throat> and why is this so important? Why would Paul kind of highlight this here? 
it's because of this, that, that the love Christians have amongst one another, it's evidence. It's evidence to one another and to everyone else around us that uh, it's a, a, our lives have been changed by the gospel. Our love for one another is evidence of a life pleasing to God, of a life set apart for God, of a life walking with God. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples? He said in, in the gospel of John in chapter 13, he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. And he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the love Christians have towards each other is a clear indicator of gospel change in our lives. It's a clear indicator of a life pleasing and walking with God. But we got to pause here for a moment, especially in our culture and our context, because the word love for us in English, we've got one word that describes love, and, and we use it for how we feel about everything. It's, it's why we can say, hey, I love my car, I love this song, I love this food, and I can look down here and, and look at Kelly and my two boys and say, I love you, right? I love my family, I love you, and the next the next minute I can walk down and take a sip of coffee and go, I love coffee, right? We've got that one word that describes everything for, for how we, we feel. And okay, so I'm going to date myself a little bit. Way back in the day during the 80s when I was a teenager, if someone said, oh, I love that, we would say, if you love it, why don't you marry it, right? right? 80s were weird, we were weird, all right? So there you go. But check this out. In the Greek language, they had up to seven different words for, the, for love. And it describes specifically how they would feel towards, towards something. And here in verse 7, Paul says, brotherly love. And the Greek word for brotherly love is, is Philadelphia, right? That's why the city of Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love, right? Philadelphia is a specific kind of love that refers to a bond that comes from a long-lasting friendship. Philadelphia refers to affection, fondness, liking, compassion, care, and respect towards one another. But check this out. In the culture at this time, right, the word Philadelphia was almost exclusively used for the mutual love of children belonging to the same father, I think this is so cool, right? Paul's use of the word Philadelphia. Mutual love of the same children belonging to the same father, right? Now put this all together. When someone accepts Jesus Christ into their life, you know what the Bible says? We are adopted into God's family. That we become the children of God. That we become brothers and sisters in Christ. That God becomes our heavenly father. Right, the transforming power of the gospel, accepting Jesus into our lives, means that we're a new creation. We have a new family. That It's as if we're born again, the Bible says, and that God gives us a new heart that beats for him and beats for his purposes and enables us to now love differently than before. So Paul was extremely intentional with his use of the word Philadelphia here. And thanks to the gospel and the work of Jesus Christ, Christians are now in the same family. That we are now siblings. We, we belong to, to God who is now our heavenly father. This explains 
how these new Christians in Thessalonica who came from different backgrounds and different cultures, Jews and Greeks who, who didn't get along previously, people who were not related by, by blood, could now Philadelphia because they belonged to the same father. They could now love each other like brothers and sisters in Christ. And not only could, could they love each other this way, but Paul says, you have no need for additional instruction on how to love one another. Why, why did Paul say that? He says it because he says, God the Father has shown you and taught you how to love. What does that mean? Just a quick rabbit trail here really quick. God the Father has taught all of us how to love when he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for the sins of the world on the cross. That's why the Bible says, because he loved us first, we can now love. God the Son, Jesus, has taught us to love. Why and how? By showing the greatest kind of love there is by laying his life down for us. Therefore, Jesus instructs us to love each other as I have loved you. God the Holy Spirit has taught us how to love because Romans 5, 5 says that the Holy Spirit poured out the love of God into our hearts. Therefore, we have the ability to love the way God intends. He has taught us over and over again how to love. Warren Wearsby, who was a pastor long ago, said this. He said, fish do not attend classes to learn how to swim. He says, birds by nature put out their wings and they flap them in order to fly. Why? Because a fish has a fish's nature, it swims. And because a bird has a bird's nature, it flies. And he says, therefore, because a Christian has God's nature, they love because God is love. This reminds me of a story way back in college. In college, um, I was a Christian, uh, but I began to stray and walk away from God. Um, I did not live a life pleasing to God for several years. And if you would have saw my life, you would have said, wow, I don't, I don't know if that guy's set apart for anything, really, right? And it was during this time, um, I was at an internship, and a gentleman named Matt Stepp um, kind of befriended me. And, and Matt was a young married guy with a young, young family, and he was a Christian. He was, he was a believer at that time. And he unashamedly spoke grace and truth into my life and, and God used Matt to kind of get my walk and my relationship with Jesus back on, on track. And Matt would do Bible studies with me. We would go do lunch almost every single day. We would work out together. We would, we would go see concerts together. He would even buy birthday gifts and Christmas gifts for, for me. But do you know what made the biggest impact on my life from, from Matt at that time? It was, it was how he loved me. It was how he loved me. He loved me as I was struggling to get back on track with Jesus. He loved me when I sinned and when I repented. He loved me when I took like three steps forward in the right direction. He loved me when I took two steps backwards in the, in the wrong direction. He, he loved me when I did something right and he loved me when I did something wrong. He never sugarcoated stuff. Like I said, he spoke grace and, and truth into my, to my life. But it was how he loved me that impacted me the most. And at the same time, I was dating a young lady named Kelly who would eventually become my wife who was not a believer who was paying attention how this random guy named Matt Stepp was loving Corey DeCaro. And she was paying attention every 
step of the way. You see, love always wants to give more. Love doesn't set quotas in our life. Love doesn't quit. Love never ceases to pour itself out. So let me ask us today, how's your Philadelphia? How's your brotherly love, your sisterly love to those in the faith? Is there anyone you need to reconcile with today? Is there anyone that you need to seek restoration with today? Are there any relationships that you're holding on to a grudge this morning with? Is there any unaddressed tension that's building and building and, and creating a divide between one of your brothers and sisters in Christ and, and you? Let me ask you, maybe it's none of those things. Maybe you're like, hey, I think I'm good. Then I would say maybe today is a day to look around and see and seize an opportunity to just love on someone. To just love on someone, to say, thank you, I appreciate you, or let me, let me serve you. Because Paul says here that a, a life changed by the gospel, a life pleasing and set apart to God, is showing love to one another. Paul then goes on in verse 11, and he says, aspire to live quietly. He says, mind your own affairs. Work with your hands as we instructed you. Now, the Thessalonians were doing a great job at loving one another, but they had some areas that they needed to grow in at the same time. And here Paul touches on three specific areas. He says, aspire to live quietly, mind your own affairs, and he says, work with your hands. What Paul does is he moves from the love that we have for one another to the life that we have with one another. Here Paul is saying, hey, a life pleasing and set apart to God is communicated through our daily life. It's communicated through our daily life. We have all heard the phrase, action speaks louder than words. <clears throat> our life constantly communicates and speaks to those around us. And one of the areas Paul addresses here is how our lives speak. So Paul says, aspire to live quietly. Now, I've been watching this show, and I'm totally sucked into it. It's an older show. It's called Life Below Zero. And it kind of follows four different um, families or people who are living in the most remote parts of Alaska, right? They are, they are far from civilization. They are far from the comforts of, of life that we experience. One of the guys is like, they're talking to him and he's like, I have no idea what time it is. I have no idea what day it is. I have no idea what month it is. And that's the way I like it. I mean, kudos to him, right? So listen, Talk about living a quiet life. Thankfully, Paul's not asking us to move to Alaska. I'm out on that one. I'll go Florida. I'll go warm. I'm not going to Alaska, y'all. But what Paul is saying here, he says, hey, aspire. This word aspire means to have a cherished goal, a lofty goal, or an ambition for something. He says, aspire to live quietly. And this word quietly means peace. It means calm. It means rest. It means satisfaction. Now check this out. In that, it means to have all those things, have peace, calm, rest, and satisfaction in your head and in your heart. What Paul is saying is this, hey, have a high, lofty, cherished goal of living with peace and rest and satisfaction and calmness deep within your heart and deep within your mind. We were just talking about this at our life group this past week. Many of us feel in our group like we are battling a pace of life that feels so hurried and rushed and without rest and chaotic. 
that, that we're kind of up against a modern day culture that says not only to us, but to our kids and to, to young adults around us, hey, do more, multitask more. Become more efficient so you can add more. Hey, scroll through more feeds, update more posts, cram more into your life. And the result is, right, for most of us, our to-do lists are, are packed, our calendars are, are full. Our, our time is spent with faces and devices all day long, and we're sprinting around at 100 miles an hour. And it's not that stu having stuff to do is a bad thing, and it's not that having a full calendar is, is a bad thing. But let's just be honest, you know, just as well as I do, that a lot of that life leads to our minds that cannot shut off or, or slow down. It leads to our hearts that are, are filled with, with panic and anxiety and worry and stress all the time. It, it leads to having no sense of inner peace. It leads to schedules that manage us rather than us managing our schedules. And the result is so many of us lack contentment, lack rest, lack calmness in our lives. Paul is, is what he's instructing here is he's saying, hey, strive for a life that gives your time to God, that gives your attention to God, that gets to know God, that listens to God. And when you do, the result is going to be you're going to find satisfaction and calmness and rest and contentment in God. And you'll have a life that points to God. I've heard it said like, like this, and I'll share it with you today. It's don't let the pace of life ruin the grace of life. Don't let the pace of life ruin the grace of life. I think we all want and need what Paul is talking about far more than we realize. He then goes on to say, mind your own affairs and work. Now, something was happening amongst these Thessalonian believers for Paul to write this. And what was happening was this. Some of them got so preoccupied and wrapped up with Jesus coming back again that they said, you know what? We don't have to do anything. So some of them stopped working altogether. Some of them became extremely lazy and idle in their lives. And as a result, some of them just started to, I'm just going to meddle in your business, and I'm going to meddle in your business, and I'm going to freeload off of you and mooch off of you and leech off of you when they had no, no reason to. We know this because Paul writes a second letter to the Thessalonians. It's in that letter he says this. He says, for we hear that some of you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but your busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Well, Paul is saying, hey, a quiet life doesn't mean we disengage and do nothing. God's word clearly tells us, hey, never be lazy. Work hard. Do everything you do as if you're doing it for the Lord. Don't gossip. Don't slander other people. If you read through the Bible, God actually created work. He put Adam to work in the garden before sin was ever around. It was only after sin showed up that, that work became labor and toil and sweat. Paul writes to these believers and he says, listen, love one another with brotherly love. Aspire to live a quiet life. Mind your own affairs. And work hard. Paul is setting clear expectations that a life pleasing and set apart to God is evidenced and communicated through our love for one another and through our daily 
life. That it matters how you love. It matters how you live. It matters how I love. It matters how I live. And you might be thinking, well, why? What's, what's Paul's point? Well, his point is this. In verse 12, he says, So that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent upon no one. Paul puts everything together and he says, So that. So that. In other words, here's the why behind what I'm saying. He's saying, Living and loving the way God intends us to, it's not some religious thing, it's not some rule thing, it's not some legalistic thing, it's not some check the boxes thing. That living this way, it's for the glory of God, yes. That living this way, it's what you're called to do and call, how you're called to live. But here he says, it's something, it's for something else. It's so that your love and your life can be set apart to reach people with the gospel, to be missional. To make Jesus known so that people can see in your love and your life this, the source of your enduring hope. That we, when we combine our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ with a life that is pleasing to God, Paul says here, hey, you walk properly then. That we actually live out the great commandment of loving God and others when we do this. And when this happens, Paul says, people who are not yet Christians, he says, they're outsiders. That's the word Paul uses here. He says, they're going to see your love. They're going to see your life. They're going to see your example. And they're going to say, hey, what's up with that? Why are you so different? Why do you love that way? Why do you live that way? Why, do you, why are you smiling? How are you getting through this unbelievably difficult time right now? They're going to see that and it's going to influence them to either follow Jesus, ask more questions about Jesus, or open up a door for you to talk more about the faith you have in, in Jesus. That is exactly what happened in college when Matt was loving me the way he loved me with that brotherly love. His life also was a life set apart and pleasing to God. And, and Kelly saw all of that. And it wasn't long after that that it opened up doors to talk to Kelly more about my faith or why Matt was loving me that way. And she soon put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ. She was watching. She was paying attention. Here's the deal. In a world that loves to tweet and post and argue and fight and see who's right and prove who's wrong, it's not through our shouting and our arguing that we express what we stand for and who we stand for. It's by our daily love and our daily life that we win the respect of others, that we earn a platform to share the gospel, that we build relationships for eternity's sake. What we learn here, what Paul is teaching us is that evangelism is one day at a time. It's one day at a time. Sharing Jesus in our lives is often one conversation at a time. It's one kind act at a time. It's one encouraging word. It's one coffee. It's one dinner. It's one hangout with your friends at school. It's one example. It's one step at a time. This is why Jesus, this is why God has left us here on this earth. It's to reach other people so that they can hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as we close in just a moment, I want to ask, how is God speaking to you through his word in this message today? What's your application 
of what Paul's talking about here today. What does it look like for you to step into a life that's pleasing to God? What does it look like for you to be set apart for God? What does it look like for you to begin to to love others the way Paul is talking about? To walk properly. In the midst of that, I hope you really caught that you are valued by God. That he loves you. That you're important to God. That he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. He's called you to be sanctified. He's called you to be holy. He's called you to be set apart. He hasn't called you to be perfect. But he's called you to be used for his good purposes. So that you and I can reach a lost and broken world. So, what's your love and life communicating today? When it comes to how we love and how we live, what does the evidence show in our lives today? Is there anything you need to stop doing today? Anything you need to walk away from, no longer be a part of, get rid of, or reprioritize in in your life so that you may walk properly. Maybe it's, hey, I need to be done going to some of these, these wrong places. Maybe I need to be done with some of these bad habits. Maybe I need to walk away as hard as it may be. I may need to walk away from some unhealthy relationships. Maybe that's friends or somebody I'm dating, right, or a group of people I'm hanging out with. Maybe it's time to be done with laziness or gossip or sexual immorality in our lives. Is there anything you need to stop doing today? On the flip side, is there anything you need to start doing, right? Is there anything you need to walk toward, lean into, commit to, or invest in? Maybe it's time to start opening up God's word like never before. And being consistent with that. Remember, there's that devotional in our app. It makes it really easy. Just start, start there. Open up the Bible app. It's got reading plan after reading plan for, for you to get into God's word. Maybe it's time to, to get into a life group. We've just started our, our first terms of, of life groups. Maybe it's time for you to stop doing life alone. Maybe it's time to, to pray. I'll tell you one of the things that's helped me a, a ton lately that I have found so refreshing in the version Bible app there's a section in there called Guided Prayer. Man, it's, it's awesome. Just a couple minutes, right? It's got some calming music, gives you some scripture, and asks you to reflect on that and pray those things back to God. If you're like, I've never done that before. Man, that's a great first, first step. Maybe today it's like, you know what I need to commit to? You know what I need to start doing? I need to start just, I need to be at, at church with my brothers and sisters in Christ on a consistent basis. Maybe it's I just need to show love to those around me today. I need to reach out to some of my neighbors Or you know what, there's that person over there and God's moving me to invest in their lives, maybe like Matt invested in in mine. Maybe it's just starting to serve today, that when you serve, you're just saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to show brotherly love to those around me, sisterly love to those around me. Is there anything you need to start doing today? Clear expectations from Paul, right? Our love and our life to apply right here and right now. Listen to his words one more time as we close. Now concerning brotherly love, you yourselves have been taught by God how to love one another. I urge you, love one another more and more. Aspire to live quietly, mind your own affairs, and work so that so that you may walk properly before outsiders who don't know Jesus. Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time 
to gather as your church. Lord, I thank you for this time to open up your word. Lord, I pray that you would take your word that you talk, talked about today, that we talked about today, and that would, you would use it in our lives to set us apart, to make us more holy, to love the way you want us to love, to live the way you want us to live. Lord, you don't ask us to be perfect. Only Jesus was perfect, but you ask us to continue to walk toward you one step at a time. So help us to do that today. Lord, by your spirit, would you just work in the lives and the hearts and just the minds of everyone today to meet them where they're at, to show them how you want them to specifically apply what we've talked about today. And Lord, if there's someone here today sitting going, you know what, I'm, I'm not in the family. God's not my heavenly father. I haven't been adopted into anything. The only thing I know maybe is a, a broken family or a bad earthly father. Well, you know what, today, God says you can come on in, that you can come be part of his family. And the way you do that is by putting your faith and trust in, in Jesus Christ. And you could do that right where you're seated just by talking to God, saying, God, today, I, I, I want to I be part of the family. I need you to be my father. I need some brothers and sisters in, in my life. I believe that Jesus came. I believe that Jesus died. I believe that Jesus rose again, and Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner, and so I'm asking for forgiveness for those sins today. And I'm asking that you would come into my life. Thank you for how you've loved me. From this day forward, I wanna love you back, and I wanna follow you. You can do that right where you're at today, and your life will be forever changed. You will be in God's forever family, and that could never, ever, ever be removed. Lord, we thank you again for our time together and as we, we sing this morning about all that you've done whether we know what you're doing right now or not we, we sing about all that you've done and we give you praise and we give you glory and we ask you by the strength of your spirit help us to love and live the way you want us to it's in Christ's name that we pray Amen <laughs>